0: Hello to everyone listening, this is Grayson Mask of the That Platinum Mask podcast, and I have with me Kathleen Anwar of Matriarch Financial, and really this organization does a lot to help uh, primarily women on taking control of their finances, and this is especially important during this pandemic and with just the massive amount of changes that COVID-19 is having. I wanted to uh yeah thank you again kathleen for coming on this podcast and helping me out
1: thanks grayson great to be here
0: definitely i think the yeah the first random question i had um kind of when i saw uh, a little bit about your background was that you were a senior editor at broadway world and kind of wanted to just ask what you do over there and if there's been i mean have you noticed any changes to kind of the art landscape during all this
1: yeah, no problem. So um, definitely. I mean, I feel like uh, the arts, especially the live performing arts uh, industry has been affected uh, harder than pretty much any other industry. Um, so unfortunately, uh, many, many theaters are just not operating, um, or they're, you know, trying to be creative and innovative. And uh, I've seen and reviewed actually a couple shows that were either, you um, one man shows, so where they didn't, you know, have to have uh multiple actors, um, you know, uh potential potentially um putting each other at risk. Or I actually saw one show. Again, it was a recording, so there was no um no audience, but it was uh only two people were in that cast, but in real life they were husband and wife, so was like okay (laughs) it worked because they're they're together anyway um so yeah a lot of theaters are trying to adapt that way um so you know a lot of them are really just waiting in the wings right now until uh, Mm -hmm. they can open safely
0: yeah so like a a two-person cast do they does each person play like a variety of characters
1: it, this particular play, it's called uh, Daddy Long Legs, um, it just had two people, so yeah. it was, um, okay. yeah, so, but, Saint, you know, there's yeah. there's the other ones, like I mentioned, uh, there's been, you know, one man shows, one woman shows, so those have been interesting, and I mean, it's a good time to, <laughs> um, <laughs> to, to do those shows right now, so, but I'm definitely looking forward to the, you know, big, you know, musicals with a huge ensemble uh, coming back, hopefully, next year
0: definitely yeah that must be kind of uh just really you have to be creative in kind of situations like that with such a a limited one person two person cast right but yeah yeah when I kind of saw that yeah I just wanted to randomly ask on that but for matriarch financial um kind of getting into that I wanted to just kind of ask on kind of your background uh leading to that did you um, I guess all like start off early in kind of the financial planning world, or was there any moments that I guess push you towards that direction?
1: Um, sure. So um, I wasn't the sole founder of Matriarch Financial. Um, my husband he founded it with me. We had a, another partner who's gone on to do her own thing. Um, but yeah, between uh, between all of us, there was ten years of. Uh, Financial experience there, um, and so we we really started Matriarch um, in response to this study published by UBS talking about um, not only how women tend to be less financially savvy than men, but um, how oftentimes in you know uh, relationships um, where you know they're in relationships with men, they tend to defer those uh, financial decisions to the men and course that's not inherently bad in fact that's Mm -hmm. how it was in my house growing up and frankly i expected (laughs) when i was younger Mm -hmm. i expected that to be you know in my future as well um Mm -hmm. but really all the data is telling us that is a really bad position to be in um you know if women become widowed or if women become divorced um most of our uh around 74% of them report finding a negative financial surprise when that happens. And so Mm -hmm. talk about adding an incredible amount of stress at a time when you should be, you know, grieving a relationship or at least taking care of yourself emotionally. Like you really don't Mm want to add financial stress if that happens. So, so getting Mm -hmm. women empowered as early as possible and, um, you know, helping them make smart decisions with their money is very important to us.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah and um really when i saw uh I-, I was really surprised when i saw some of those statistics on um yeah when i saw over 70 percent of women that were finding themselves that they had negative financial mm-hmm. consequences from a divorce mm-hmm. and is there any uh, is there any additional factors that go into that is it because men uh we're traditionally more likely the breadwinners or is there anything else?
1: Yeah, there's, there's a couple things. So, um, a lot of couples say when, when couples are asked, like, why do you, why do you do it this way? Um, mm-hmm. a lot of them will, uh, cite, uh, that they kind of take a divide and conquer approach. So, uh, they'll say, well, you know, he does the money stuff and I do more, around the house or I do more with the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they justify it that way. Again, you know, that was the case in my house growing up. I'm very Mm -hmm. happy. My parents are happily married and they haven't had issues, but, uh, (laughs) but you know, it doesn't, Mm -hmm. it doesn't work for everybody and it Mm -hmm. doesn't work for a lot of people. Um, but yeah, another, um, another reason people cite is, well, yeah, he makes more money, so he should get to, make the decisions, which that's, that's just not fair. So (laughs) yeah, people do cite Mm -hmm. reasons like that.
0: Yeah. And is, um, is is there kind of any difference between, because I saw another um, statistic pop up with um, specifically millennial, uh, millennial women that uh, really a large percentage of them, um, I don't think a majority, but a large percentage that you know, don't have anything even saved up for retirement mm-hmm. uh, right now. Yeah. Um, with with that situation, what are the, the factors that lead to that situation? Because I would think that, I don't know, like younger generations are becoming maybe more proactive or, you know, with apps like Robinhood or investing mm-hmm. apps that pop up, you know, I would have thought it would be investing or financial planning as more of a mainstream thing.
1: You know, you would think that, but it's it's really just not the case. Um, not not with uh, most of the clients that we've worked with, anyway. Um, so I think I think there's a lot of information overload out there, and so people might yeah. There's definitely a lot of young people saying, "Hey, I want to you know, I want to day trade on Robinhood or I want to get in on GameStop," um, <laughs> but you know, most of those people have probably never read a book about personal finance you know Mm -hmm. um so there's there's a lot of things that people yeah should be doing to to be you know uh, smart with their money conservative with their money or um, strategic with their money um but they're maybe not necessarily going about that in the right order um another thing is um i just think there's so much pressure and maybe there always has been but just to keep up whether it's with the stuff you have or your appearance. Um, So a lot of people are really spending a lot on their lifestyle um, Mm -hmm. and they're not putting money towards retirement. I think a lot of millennials just see retirement as something that's so far away that they don't need to be uh, putting money into that right now. But really, Mm -hmm. this is the best time to start doing that and start building those habits.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely, yeah, I can kind of see when you bring up the, the. I guess, the negative connotations with social media mm-hmm. and how that's becoming and kind of having that, that kind of that shallow image or really having that materialism, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, definitely contributes to that factor. Do you see that, I guess, po- that trend continuing on, I guess, increasing materialism and social media that will have negative financial connotations for millennials?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I mean, I don't see it going away anytime soon. Mm -hmm. We just live in a very, um, you know, consumer driven and uh, yeah, just consumer driven um, society. So, Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately, you know, most of us never had any kind of financial education or uh, personal financial education in school and um you know yeah some of us got some kind of information from our parents um a lot of us didn't and sometimes the advice we get from our parents isn't always the best or maybe it's a little outdated so um Mm -hmm. i really you know we've had clients who are low earners who are in excellent financial shape we've had clients who are high earners who are not in great shape so um, it's not even necessarily about how much you earn? It's just about uh, making sure that you're setting yourself up for success.
0: Yeah, with um, you, you kind of mentioned earlier on, kind of uh, millennials or you know recent graduates who kind of picture retirement so far away. Mm-hmm. How do you, I guess, have that conversation? How do you convince, um, really, if you have a client that's maybe a recent college graduate, how do you convince them to you know not spend money on um kind of that instant gratification right now mm-hmm. but instead save it for you know obviously a, a bigger goal in mind in the long mm-hmm.
1: term right so um a couple things um we, we definitely have what we call an order of operations um mm. when we're working with our clients so first things first we want to make sure our clients have Uh, a robust uh, emergency fund. So that's generally three to six months of living expenses. So that's the first thing. Second, if our clients have high interest debt, so that's typically credit card debt, uh, we want to focus on that. So, you know, And that's generally a stressor for people, so they don't really need to be uh, told twice to focus on that. Um, But yeah, after that, after those things are taken care of, it's a combination of, yeah, saving as much as you can for retirement and also just, you know, saving and investing in general. Um, One thing that a lot of people don't know is the money you put into your retirement when you're in your 20s um, is going to be Mm -hmm. worth more than what you put in in your 30s and 40s combined. So just reminding people of, you know, mm-hmm. just that um, compound interest at work. Um, another thing is uh, women. So this is a lot of people don't think about this either, but women tend to live longer than men. Um, the lifespan of women just is longer. And that means women need to be saving more for retirement than men. But the stats show mm. us that women typically save less. So, you know, just trying to, help people realize like hey a lot of elderly people do fall into poverty a lot of elderly people don't have enough saved so just you know Mm -hmm. using the data um, to help people uh, realize that this is important this should be prioritized Um, Mm -hmm. that usually works (laughs) yeah
0: Yeah, I can definitely see I, I didn't even really think about that on I mean really on women having potentially you know years of life is know, expectancy yeah. on top of men mm-hmm. it's
1: a pretty yeah, um, yeah again it just se- it seems so far away but it's you know it's a very real thing so mm-hmm. yeah yeah
0: you cut kind of, and you kind of talked about on really with credit card debt and especially on student loan debt um, mm-hmm. increasing on um, recent graduates and millennials um, who kind of have to look at all these types of debts and try to make payments um i I originally kind of randomly thought on asking you was about really the approach when it comes to if you have multiple sources of debt on which one to pay first because Mm -hmm. you know i think really i've been told that you know paying off whatever that has the highest interest Mm -hmm. is you know the logical thing to do but you've had huge voices like dave ramsey Mm -hmm. who's kind of said uh, he goes by the snowball effect where he yeah. kind of says you should kind of pay off the, for some people, they should pay off the debt that is the lowest, just so it kind of builds kind of that motivation, that momentum, um, just getting rid of a source of debt mm-hmm. early on, and then they can go from there. Is there, uh, you know, is there one I guess, category that you fall under that your practice falls under?
1: Yeah, we, um, we definitely recommend the first approach you mentioned, um, paying off the highest interest first. Um, Mm -hmm. just because you're gonna, so I consider money you spend on interest money that's lost. Um, so -hmm. you're, you're losing less money that way. Um, now, yeah, we, we definitely Dave Ramsey is good for some people. We definitely differ in our approach in a number of ways, but, um, you know, that's fine if you want to do it the snowball way. Um, mm-hmm. We have some clients who say, "Hey, this one credit card in particular, I want to pay this off like before all the other ones." And we'll say, "Okay, mm-hmm. you well, know, maybe that's not your highest interest, but that's what you really want to do." Hey, as long as you're tackling your credit card debt, um, that's you know that's good enough. But yeah, the most strategic thing to do would be to focus on the highest interest debt.
0: Okay, yeah, I can see that. But um, I guess based on what the client wants, you know, if they seem very motivated to pay off something that has lower interest, then I can see, you know, why you definitely uh, possibly allow that.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're not, um, you know, we have clients who are very, feel very strongly about one way. And we'll say, hey, you know, we think maybe you should do it this way. But, you know, either way, we're going to support you. Um, we're mm-hmm. not going to stop working with you if you don't follow our advice. <laughs> so, um, but, but yeah, I mean, as long as you're really trying to tackle the debt, that's what matters.
0: Mm-hmm. So with the, um, so with your business, what are the packages that your company offers? Is it, you know, kind of one-time consultations? Is there, you know, a monthly package? Uh, how does it work?
1: Sure. So, Uh, one thing that really sets us apart from our competitors um, is that we are not an hourly service. Um, Mm -hmm. So what that means is we will meet with you as many times as it takes for you to feel comfortable with the plan that we've created together. Um, So our most popular package is our foundational and that's uh, $150. And, uh, you know, we've had clients that we met with them for one hour and they were good to go. We have other clients, we uh, met with them for eight different sessions. So eight one hour sessions and both people Mm -hmm. pay the same price. Um, So the foundational um, would really be best for someone who maybe is struggling with some kind of debt. And then also Mm -hmm. probably self-described as having little financial acumen. Um, The future package would be good for someone who maybe doesn't have debt um, and maybe is just looking like, for, okay, how do I make, you know, the money that I do have oh, work smarter for me? Uh, mm-hmm. And then the freedom is um, for for maybe more special cases. So we actually do work with couples, uh, couples that are maybe uh, have combined finances. And so we'll help them or that's for something, you know, maybe like doing serious planning for buying a house, um, other, other, other things like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so with like that, uh, you know, you talked about some clients that just come in for an hour. So what, what's the, uh, for like one-time clients, what are the typical, uh, what are they typically looking for? What's the typical, um, issue that they come in with?
1: Um, sure. So again, we, <laughs> I know I keep talking about this. I see a lot of clients with debt. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, they'll, they'll come in, Um, first of all, if if they're only meeting with us for one hour, they're probably pretty organized because we do kind of, um, we do need, um, a lot of information, not, not personal information. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, for each separate, um, uh, loan that you have or each separate credit card that you have, we need to know the, um, the balance, the interest rate, things like that. Um, we also ask people to bring a recent pay stub so we can walk through that um, because a lot of people actually don't know what's being taken out of their paycheck. Um, and a lot of people don't understand maybe the acronyms that are on the pay stub. Um, mm-hmm. So that that's really, um, I think a neat thing that we do is we help people walk through that and make sense of that. Um, mm-hmm. I worked with someone who they, they were sure that they had a health savings account. Um, and then we walked through their pay stub, but they actually had, a flexible uh, savings account. So um, Mm -hmm. that meant they had that was in, Mm -hmm. you know, the the latter half of 2020. So uh, in that case, they had to use that money by the end of the year. So, you know, we Mm -hmm. we help people discover, you know, little things like that. Um, But yeah, we we really help people um, make a budget, make a conscious spending plan and see on one um, in one place where all their money lives. Now, Mm -hmm. that is kind of tactical. But I think the most valuable thing that we offer is the financial education along the way. So we answer people's questions. We just help them uh, be more savvy. And it's the same approach as, okay, do you give a woman a fish or do you teach her how to fish? So that's what we're trying to do.
0: And with uh, the financial education being such a large component of your business, is there any... I guess uh, mainstream uh, misinterpretations, or is there anything that you notice a lot of people maybe don't understand about finances, or you know that you hear a lot, but it's um, it's not necessarily true.
1: Um, yeah, that, that's a good question. Um, let me think. I think one thing is um, people maybe don't know uh, certain facts about their financial situation that maybe they should know um or they don't know what's um what benefits are available to them so so what i mean is you know i'll ask a lot of people if they know what their health care deductible is if, if they have health care um or what their max out of pocket is a lot of people don't don't know that information and i think that's really important because we actually do think um you know you should build at least your deductible into your emergency fund because if you have a health emergency yeah you need to be able to um have that money at hand um max out of pocket would be preferred because you could be on the hook for that much or you know twice your max out of pocket would be fantastic but you know that's uh, (laughs) that's that's, uh, growing pretty quickly there so that's one thing and then a lot of uh, people also i'll ask them about um uh, maybe they're 401k with their employer and they might not know if they have a company match they might not know if they're taking advantage of it so um i think things like that um you know i think the, those are some things that people need to know about their situation that a lot of times they just don't know mm-hmm. same thing with yeah. um you know uh, so i mentioned the hsa the health savings account um, that's a powerful tool for a lot of people um because again you you're just it's a tool to save money. Um it's not necessarily the best thing for everybody, but um you know, you're going to be saving tax money on that. Um and so a lot of people yeah. won't opt into it just because they actually don't know what it is. So I I do hear that a lot of people say, "Yeah, you know, my employer offers an HSA, but I didn't know what it is." So I didn't opt in. And so you should never be making, you know, decisions out of ignorance. So so we help people with those decisions as well.
0: Yeah, I know you mentioned um, really with the emergency fund. And that was kind of something that I wanted to ask on. And this is like a conversation I've had with uh, a few different financial services reps mm-hmm. or in the financial planning field um, with emergency funds during COVID-19. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I've always heard a standard rule of, you know, have three to six months of, Mm -hmm. of an emergency fund for expenses. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, with COVID-19 being over a year, um, really with some people who are maybe even laid off very early Mm -hmm. on in COVID-19 and had to deal with that. Do you think that, do you think people are going to start thinking emergency funds need to be able to last longer after COVID-19 where, you know, they might stay? They might start saying that the norm is a year of of emergency mm-hmm. fund.
1: Um, maybe. I mean, I can't. I I could see that happening. It's just, um, you know, so many people are living paycheck to paycheck, and so I think if someone comes along and says, "Hey, now you need a." Save a year's worth of living expenses. They, you know, mm-hmm. might not take that seriously. So, um, mm-hmm. that the three to six months, three three months is really a bare minimum. Six months um, is, yeah, conventional wisdom. Um, and so, here's one. Uh, and so, yeah, that that is a good question. Um, and hopefully, this pandemic is truly a once in a lifetime event. Hopefully, we don't see anything mm-hmm. like this again in our lifetimes. Um, but the thing about an emergency fund is you know the expectation is you are actively looking for other sources of income whether it's a new job whether it's gig work whether it's you know a side hustle um you know the emergency fund is not supposed to take care of you while you just wait for your job to come back so the -hmm. expectation is definitely that you know you're being very active and finding another uh, source of income until you figure things out. And of course, Mm -hmm. if you are in a position to save more by all means, but then it becomes kind of a question of trade-offs. So if you have, you know, your six months of uh, living expenses saved, um, then maybe you want to say, Hey, I I have additional money coming in. Um, Maybe I want to start investing this instead. So, Mm -hmm. so at that point, you know, it does become a question of trade offs.
0: No, I can definitely yeah, I could definitely see on yeah, if it if it was a year emergency fund, that's possibly money not being invested mm-hmm. and also yeah, in, in currently in a climate after this pandemic, yeah, hopefully it is once in a lifetime and it doesn't right. have <laughs> uh yeah, it doesn't have any effects on um finances, but yeah. Another, um, really when I was checking out the packages on the website, I saw one of them was financial therapy and really, yeah, <laughs> I had no idea what that, what that term meant. And yeah, I just wanted to see if you wanted to explain it.
1: Sure. Of course. Um, this is something I care a lot about. So first things first, we don't have a separate, um, package for our financial therapy. We just kind of mm-hmm. consider that to be part of our overall approach. Um, But one thing a lot of people don't realize is you can have trauma related to money. Um, And since money is often a taboo subject in our society, we aren't able to talk about it in a healthy way. And so many of us have experienced shame around money that we really avoid talking about it for that reason too. And so that's just, um, that's a terrible burden to have this source of stress that you feel like you can't talk about or can't talk about without being judged. Um, so that's the first thing. Um, we need to be able to talk about money, how we struggle with it, how we want to be better at managing it, uh, really in order for this to be less of a source of stress in our lives. Um, now we can't fix cultural norms overnight, but with Naturec, mm-hmm. you can talk to us about your money feelings, you can get affirmation, you can get that sanity check, and really learn how to be in control and like I mentioned, since we're not in hourly service, you can, you know, feel free to talk away. We're not going to try to, um, drag it out. <laughs> we're not going to try to uh, rush you either. So we really want, mm-hmm. um, everyone to be, be able to just be really open and honest about money and what, what they've gone through.
0: No, that's definitely but like, um, how do you think we got to, I guess, this taboo state with money in I guess American culture? Cause you know, I know, um, because i can say from my personal experience and i think a lot of people uh can say is that you know when you're around your friend circle maybe it would be you know if everyone said how much what their money was Mm -hmm. or how much they made you know you might feel embarrassed if you you know Mm -hmm. have close friends who all um make significantly more than you um i I guess how do you think that i guess what factors led to i guess this taboo state
1: that's a good question uh (laughs) I don't know. I mean, um, I'm, I'm sure it's been around for a long time. It's definitely been around, um, you know, in my, my parents' generation, you know, the, the old adage of don't talk about money or politics or religion, you know, that expression is, um, very old, but, um, you know, and I don't think it necessarily, you don't have to go around talking about how much you earn, but, you know, I think, um, normalizing conversations about, hey, like, you know, something as little as, um, what's your, uh, what's your employer match on your 401k or how much are you putting into your HSA if you have one, if you don't have one, why Mm -hmm. did you make that decision? And, you know, same thing, buying a car, buying a house, like, you know, having very open discussions of, Hey, how much are you putting down? What do you think is smart? Um, you know, I I think we need to be more comfortable at least having those level conversations so that we don't Get taken advantage of.
0: Uh, No, I was going to ask, like, if the is that taboo. I mean, is it unique to, I guess, women? As far as are are women more commonly finding it difficult on being able to speak about money?
1: I think so. Um, I think so. From a cultural perspective, I think it's at least you know when I used to go into a corporate office um, in person, I felt like. Mm -hmm. I'd see the guys talking about, oh, yeah, I got Bitcoin or I have crypto and it seemed like the women would never uh, would never join those discussions um, Mm -hmm. or it wasn't expected of them or something. So, um, yeah, I I definitely think just culturally um, expectations are different, Um, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it should be that way. Uh, How it got there. I'm not sure because <laughs> I think many years ago women were actually the ones to manage the um, the family's finances. But yeah, when that when that changed, I'm not I'm not sure, but um,
0: mm-hmm. that's
1: definitely how it used to be years ago.
0: Yeah, I can't really think on why. Uh, I, maybe also like social media culture on how that kind of impacts um, the taboo culture of money and like why mm-hmm. mo- people might feel kind of shame on comparing themselves to people through the internet when right. they, you know, see people with the Maseratis and yeah. <laughs>
1: that, they,
0: that they probably just rented and everything. Exactly. Um, exactly. But, uh, and that's um, the
1: thing is like when, when it is taboo to talk about, it's like, okay, we're just going to compare lifestyle instead. And obviously that can be so misleading because, you know, you don't know if someone <laughs> is getting help from their parents. You don't know if someone's in, you know, a lot of debt Um, you don't know if somebody is, you know, financially supporting somebody else necessarily. Mm. Um, so you really just don't know, um, uh, what somebody else's financial situation is most of the time. So, so, uh, comparing based on lifestyle can be very dangerous.
0: I guess with, uh, with these packages, has it been more difficult to market, uh, kind of market your brand? Um, during this pandemic, because, you know, really from a lot of people that I speak to in a bunch of different industries, when they sh- they start their business, they kind of mention on uh, really COVID-19 being the period where people kind of go towards name brands, mm-hmm. um, you know, where it's uh, really, and this is more with products, but, you know, people don't want to go into the store and talk to the staff and check out a bunch of new really wide variety of products they kind of just want to go towards the brand that they know and just leave mm-hmm. uh ha- has there been any difficulty on just kind of marketing yourself during all this
1: um i wouldn't say so and the other thing is we are uh, we are a young company so um COVID has been around most of the time that our business has Um, But our services are 100% virtual. So we have always met with our clients um, via Zoom. Um, And that's actually that actually I think works better than uh, working with someone in person because um, I'm able to share my screen and share my spreadsheet um, so they can, you know, very easily follow along if it was in person, you know. I would have to, you know, <laughs> be <become> monitor <longer laughs> around and or things like that. So I, I think um the virtual model works best for us and you know, mm. we work with people um all over the country too. Um so no, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say COVID has um significantly impacted our business.
0: No, that's definitely that's really cool to see that your business was always kind of through Zoom Mm -hmm. and, or had that option. Um, And then you kind of almost had a leg up uh, on competitors before um, when kind of this pandemic hit um, really with that. But it's also, yeah, it's also great to see that it's adapted well and there hasn't Mm -hmm. been any difficulties as far as actual marketing.
1: Right. Right. Yep.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. With that. Has there been, um, I guess, any changes with, the demographics that you see as clients with the pandemic has the pandemic um, made women or younger millennials more likely to seek out your services?
1: Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that there's been a major change. No, um, mm-hmm. uh, it, it tends. We tend to see a lot of people. Yeah, like I keep saying, mm-hmm. struggling with kind of the same things, um, especially debt related. Um, mm-hmm. So, but we, you know, we also help women who are um, dealing with uh, divorce or separation because that has a big impact on their financial life. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, that is not uh, pandemic specific, but that's, you know, um, another thing that we do help people with.
0: And I think with, uh, to kind of wrap this up, really my last question was just wanted to kind of get your insight on if there's any upcoming projects or any future goals that you have in mind uh for matriarch financial um you know once uh this pandemic's over with and any any kind of goals moving forward?
1: Uh yeah we we have a number of goals. Um mm-hmm. so uh one thing we want to do we want to be more um involved in the community and so mm-hmm. um I can't divulge specifics now but yeah we're definitely looking at some partnerships with um uh, community organizations. Um, so, so we'll be, um, giving back, you know, financial expertise that way, but, um, yeah, I'll keep you posted on that.
0: Okay, definitely. Yeah. And if you, uh, need any connections, I'm on a couple of young professional groups, um, with like North Texas food bank and, uh, Crohn's and Colitis foundation. Um, and just groups like that. Yeah. If there's, a, if you're ever in need of a type of collaboration in the future, but, um, no, I'm mm-hmm. excited to hear about that your uh, matriarch financial is looking to get out there in the community.
1: Yeah, great. No, I would definitely love to um, keep in touch on that.
0: Definitely. Well, that being said, um really wanted to thank you again for coming on this podcast episode with me and speaking on uh, helping uh, women become more financially independent and understanding and taking power of their finances. Uh, Really, I I guess the main reason, didn't say this beginning, but the main reason I kind of reached out was uh, really I was working on a blog post about uh, the serious topic of domestic violence during COVID-19 and kind of the surge of it. And really, with a lot of the statistics, we're kind of showing that, you know, the number one reason uh, that domestic violence before COVID-19 has been going down is just financial independence and women can, Mm -hmm. uh, be able to mm -hmm, be, uh, women can easily be able to save and, uh, you know, create their own incomes. Mm
1: -hmm. That's great. No, that's, um, -hmm. that is great. (laughs) The, Mm -hmm. um, financial financial abuse is also a a very real thing, which I'm sure you've read about. And so, Mm -hmm. Um, that's, um, that's a whole, that's a whole nother beast, but yeah, I mean, we've heard stories of, um, you know, men who have opened credit cards in their partner's name, um, to just to purposely tank them so that they'd be trapped to stay with them. Um, Mm -hmm. so there's, there's all kinds of stories like that. And that's, um, That's, I mean, just yet another reason why financial independence is is, um, Mm -hmm. so important. So that's that's great that you're um, looking into that more.
0: Well, yeah, hopefully it's, uh, you know, definitely a problem that, uh, you know, can be solved every day with more financial independence. But again, (laughs) Kathleen... Yeah, definitely. Again, Kathleen, I just wanted to thank you for speaking with me on this. And yeah, I think it'll be a great episode.
1: Great. Thanks. for. Thanks again so much for having me. Really appreciate it.